everybody welcome to episode 80 of the bomber brothers podcast sean and ryan back to talk about some more yankee news not too much on the docket yankees universe we've we know who uh did and did not receive qualifying offers the uh least surprising is dj lemayhew getting his uh qualifying offer which he is certain to reject and Try to get more money in free agency, as he should. Uh, another not surprising one is James Paxton not getting a qualifying offer, just given his mm-hmm. recent injury history. But the uh, semi-surprising one, I, I would say, maybe not too much, but Masahiro Tanaka didn't get a qualifying offer, so he's off to free agency as well. Sean, just what was your... Uh, Surprise level at hearing that Tanaka didn't get offered the $18.9 million to come back to the Yankees in 2021. I was really surprised. I thought Tanaka made perfect sense for the qualifying offer. I think $18.9 million is overpaying for Tanaka for one year, but it's a low-risk investment. And especially with that elbow, I would be happier in most cases to pay players for expensive one-year deals than making long-term investments, especially on the wrong side of 30. Um, so I was really surprised because one year for Tanaka at 19 million, I'll take that. That's not a problem. Now, if the Yankees want to keep him, they're probably looking at a minimum of what, four years. Um, and that four-year contract will exceed $19 million. So, um, you know, it, it'll be, a, a longer term investment spread out over time. But I was really surprised. I thought the qualifying offer made a lot of sense for Tanaka, not only because um, of the issues with his elbow and everything like that, which he's done a great job of pitching through and it's never cropped up since 2014. But um, with, with the young kids that are coming up, they're not quite ready to just flip the switch. We saw what happened when the Yankees tried to go like a, with a huge youth movement in the rotation in 2008, it backfired horribly and they had to go out and get H.A. Burnett and C.C. Sabathia. But um, if they're able to kind of ease some of these guys in your Clark Schmitz, your Debbie Garcia's uh, by, you know, having these pitchers on one year deals and things like that, I think it makes it a lot easier. And, um, you know, I, I'm just pretty disappointed that the Yankees didn't do it. because I, I know we both are huge Tanaka fans. Yeah, yeah, we are. He's certainly been one of my favorite pitchers since he came in 2014. And I know we've said this a lot, but he's earned every penny of that seven-year, $155 million deal. And I know that short-term memory shows that he wasn't uh, his usual self in, in the postseason this year. We're used to seeing him be one of the Yankees' most historically dominant playoff pitchers in in, in history, even. But that certainly wasn't the case this year. But if you also look at the 
regular season where he was once again healthy. He once again was consistent. He had another strong season. He just turned 32 just days ago. So I, I would have certainly liked to bring him back for for one year. I, I think he would have accepted that qualifying offer personally, just given the uh, outlook of the free agent market this year and, and, and how slow moving and low balling it, it probably will be especially for a pitcher like Tanaka who is you know now in his low 30s and pit, you know consistently pitches to the uh, mid threes in terms of ERA so he's still a, a really solid starter but probably not one that a lot of teams are going to pay for at this point since everyone is talking about how little money they have so it's uh maybe that does open the door back up for a Tanaka return maybe the Yankees just didn't want to pay him 19 million a year and maybe they are open to bringing him back for uh you know another year or two at a at a lower annual value whether Tanaka would accept that not sure but I don't think this completely shuts the door on Tanaka coming back, but I hope it doesn't because the Yankee, like you said, the Yankees' uh, rotation was already really slim going into uh, into the postseason this year, and we saw just how slim it was. It played a huge part in the Yankees not advancing to the ALCS. So, if the Yankees already had trouble piecing together starters in Game Two of a series because they were so you know so slim outside of Garrett Cole imagine taking Tanaka out of that you already have Paxton removed from the equation so now now you have a rotation where the only real staple is is Garrett Cole at this point Hap's gone too so now you're trying to piece together the remaining four spots with guys like Debbie Garcia, Domingo Herman, Jordan Montgomery, Clark Schmidt all guys that are you know really young not necessarily proven there's, there's no way all four of those guys would work out and be able to consistently put together you know, somewhat quality starts every five days. And you're not going to have Severino back until after the All-Star break. Yeah, I feel like we tried the whole, well, let's give the rookies a chance in 2008, like I was saying, with Phil Hughes, Ian Kennedy, Jabba Chamberlain. And while, you know, except for Jabba, Phil Hughes and, and Ian Kennedy wound up having nice careers. Um, wasn't... Uh, wasn't exactly the the ideal solution in 2008. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think like we were saying, it, it makes a lot of sense to bring Tanaka back. He brings stability in the rotation now. Otherwise, after Garrett Cole, it's just a bunch of question marks. I mean, you don't know when you'll get Severino back, like you said. And then everything else is up in the air. I mean, Montgomery pitched really well in his last start, but he's shown inconsistency. He's had nice... Um, nice batted ball numbers in terms of, of contact and, and things like that. But still it's, it's, it's a risk and the team is built to win. So it's not like, you know, if, if we were going into the 2016, 2017 season, I'd be more like, yeah, let's just see what these kids have. We need to figure out what we have. Tanaka probably wouldn't be part of the solution when the team is ready to win, but the team is ready to win right now. Um, so bringing some of these, known commodities back at higher prices for one year, I think is smart. It doesn't cripple you for the future when some of these guys um, like judge and and Torres are are ready for extensions. And uh, it it allows you to still feel the competitive team right now. And I don't, I don't know how much can the Yankees really look at the postseason this year? I mean, Andy Pettit 
you know, one of the guys, if I had one game to win, he'd be pretty close to the top of my list to, to go out there. He had some horrible postseason starts, horrible postseasons, period. I mean, if you, you know, if you look at, um, you know, if you look at a couple of his, his postseason series, they were not good, but overall the body of work was great. It's just a matter of things evening out. Even El Duque had a, a couple bad postseason starts, not as many as anybody else on the planet for how much he pitched, but he still had a couple clunkers. I mean, I think it was what, 2001 against the, um, against the Mariners. He just got absolutely shellacked and, uh, you wouldn't expect that out of him, but it happened. And you know, it, it could happen to Tanaka too, but he's proven to be a good postseason pitcher and he had a great regular season too. So it's not like, Oh, he was on this downward spiral all year. And now he's just, you know, he just, he got cold at the wrong time. That, that's all it feels like. He usually gets hot at the right time. So I, I, I wouldn't read too much into that or, or, or let that influence my decision. Yeah, again, small sample size, obviously, because everyone has small sample size in 2020. But Tanaka was healthy for, for the whole season. And he was coming off an all-star season in his last full season back in 2019. And then this year, he pitches to his lowest ERA since 2016. He and his numbers across the board were better than than 2019 FIP WHIP, um, you know, strikeouts per nine, walks per nine. So he was still very productive. He's not he's not a pitcher that relies on velocity. So I don't think him, you know, aging into his low to mid 30s should be too much of a concern. He's proven himself to have durability i mean since his rookie season in 2014 when he initially hurt that elbow he's pitched at least 150 innings in every season where it was possible to pitch 150 innings obviously 2020 not being one of them but he still made his you know 10 starts which is right about at a a full season for a 60 game season so I think Tanaka's got a still has a lot of value that you can bring back for a couple of years. Hope, hopefully they do. Hopefully they go back to him and say, "Look, like we can offer you a two or three year deal. It'll just be at a slightly lower value than eighteen point nine million a year, and and see what happens. We'll see. Starting, we'll see if he takes it. The starting pitching market is so thin, though. I mean, after Bauer. How far down is Tanaka down the list? Not very far. No, he's I mean, not. Unless you want to take a uh, fly around Paxton, there, there will there will be bidders out there for Tanaka, especially now he doesn't have a draft pick attached to him. I don't know. Will there be bidders? <laughs> At this point, I'm not even sure there will be bidders for people outside of Lemayhu, Real Muto, and Springer. I just yeah. I think this is going to be probably the slowest moving free agent market we've ever seen which is scary because we just went through the off season after 2018 yeah last year was really fun yeah last I mean, season was like encouraging. the winter meetings were, were wild yeah people and, seemed uh, uh people seemed much more inclined to spend money and were actively improving their rosters and i just don't see that happening this year i think it's going to be a pretty dark and bleak off season yeah i i i agree but um you know still the you know he's a guy that i think teams like i mean if you're the padres would you like to go out and grab him yeah i mean the padres have shown that they're they're going all in they could especially especially in their ballpark yeah 
you get the ball not flying out. What that? What, what do they keep referring it to as? I, I forget. No, oh, I, I don't remember. Remember they kept talking about like some sort of air flow or something off the yeah. ocean that would make the ball die. You get a ball like that with Tanaka, you ain't be giving up those home runs. Yeah, but. and it's and it's harder to, but it, it's also harder to rob home runs because you're just going to bang your head on the top of that that wall out there. That, that was dumb. Speaking of robbing home runs, how about the World Series? Uh, we never talked about that. How many home run robberies there were in the World Series in the NLCS in Texas's ballpark? Yeah, that was really fun. All the ballparks should be built that way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, judges has robbed plenty. Yeah, in uh, in right field. So we just put someone of his size at Yankee Stadium, and you get a lot of robberies. Yes, you can. Um, all right, well, now now to the obvious one, LeMahieu. I mean, we are fully prepared for him to reject that offer and, and go to free agency. Pretty much anything you read suggests that while the market is going to be very slow and very dry, LeMahieu is going to be one of the few who will still get paid, and, and rightfully so. He's coming off his second straight year where he's going to be a top five MVP candidate. He's got valuable defensive versatility and you know, this is obviously the one that that scares me but the Yankees should absolutely get ready to, to pay this guy I mean they're, they're they've got to be fully prepared for him to reject that qualifying offer and then hopefully they come back with with some more money and lock him up to a nice four or five year deal this is where I miss George for all of his faults he would not let LeMahieu go. No matter. I mean, look, Bernie Williams was about to sign in Boston, and George basically got the deal done um, because he knew how important Bernie was to the team, and um, wound up being a really good contract for the Yankees. But uh, I, you know, that aside, I think the Yankees have to keep LeMahieu. How many times does he get on in front of Judge and turn a solo shot for Judge into a two-run shot because he got on, or he extends an inning for for? For judge or just sets the tone at the top of the order i mean we were at the alcs last year and the yankees are down one nothing down three games to one and pop you know lemayhew hits a solo solo homer to start the game off and, and get things going and even in the, the postseason this year he, he you know leads off against uh you know the untouchable bieber and you know by the end of the game they had made him look pretty good but you know, LeMahieu really sets the tone for the lineup. And the versatility he provides on defense is really key, too, especially with how they might have to construct this infield. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's really good to have that versatility. But, uh, you know, you can't let an MVP candidate walk out the door. I, I think four years, you know, $100 million, it's going to take you $100 million probably over four years, maybe more uh, in terms of dollars. But Yankees have to get it done because if they lose him, they um, are going to be – really scary to watch with how often they strike out and everything like that. And, and it's nice to have a guy like LeMahieu that just puts the bat on the ball constantly and seems to, seems to really uh, drive the ball. He's not just hitting ground balls. He's hitting line drives. Yeah. To be fair, the Yankees did have one of the lower strikeout rates in the league this year. And you can't do that with just LeMahieu. Though they would obviously strike out more, but yeah. they're not going to be striking out every at-bat. Well, I, I would hope not. I mean, then, then they might as well send me up there. I can do that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, this is a no-brainer. They, you got to get this done. This is definitely, uh, this is definitely something that'll keep me feeling tense through this off season until until it's done. Because I am worried that they're gonna 
pull some pull some BS and and not really make him an offer, or or probably do something stupid like you know we know we you want to still be a Yankee, just take take a little less money and you can stay in the pinstripes or something stupid. Well, oh yeah, we'll give you three years, forty five million. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what other teams what other teams offer him, but there is absolutely no reason how the why the Yankees should be outbid in this in this situation. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, Yankees shouldn't be outbid in any situation. Let's no. be real. I mean, think about how much money uh, they make every year. They're the most they're the most valuable franchise in, in American sports. So there's no reason for them to be outbid. Except maybe by Steve Cohen and the Mets. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to be in a in a battle within their own city now. With, yeah, uh, with Cohen leading the Mets, and I'm I'm really happy that that ownership change happens because maybe that'll motivate the Yankees to get back to uh, George Steinbrenner ways of spending. Maybe not in terms of some of the more reckless contracts like you know a randy johnson or or whatever but now the yankees obviously have a much smarter analytics department and guys that will that can help make good signings but while still using that money to make to make great signings and if there was ever an off season to splurge a little bit it's this one i mean you have you have a world series window that's closing with the current core of players you have you're a you know a few players away from being World Series favorites and not going into a postseason as you know secondary favorites like they have the past few years. So you've got players not being claimed like Brad Hand. You've got you've got a bunch of players not receiving qualifying offers. Only six players received qualifying offers, and you know, the best of those certain to reject those offers and become a free agent. So the Yankees have an opportunity to say, Hey, if ever, no one else is going to spend because they are, you know, crying poor because of the pandemic and not having any fans in the stands this season, then we'll go after them. And by 2021, we'll be world series favorites. Yeah. They should, they should load up while they can. The hand is perfect example of somebody they should just go grab because they have the money. They have a need in the bullpen. I think that we saw that with Canley out. Um, so they should, they should be all over that and any other pieces they can improve upon, like flex your muscles. You know, we were talking about this yesterday, you know, the Yankees got smart and then stopped spending. It's like, instead of using their intelligence to give them an advantage, they use their intelligence to scale back on something else. So it's still like a net, a net neutral situation. If they combine their intelligence with the financial uh, muscles that they showed throughout most of our life, so, you know, the Yankees probably probably have two world championships right now in the last four years in 2017 and 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, they, they signed Garrett Cole to a record deal this past offseason, which was obviously huge. But, it but took that's one, all they did. Yeah. And it took one postseason to see that that more was needed. And Garrett Cole can only pitch two games in a in a playoff series. And he was fantastic in both of those games. But everything else outside of that was uh was tough except for a su- pleasantly surprising start from Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, I mean absolutely. I I mean think think about the early 2000s. In 2001 the Yankees signed Mike Messina. In 2002 they signed Jason Giambi. In 2000 
2003, they signed Hideki Matsui. 2004, they get Gary Sheffield. 2005. And traded for A-Rod. And and traded for A-Rod, yeah, excuse me. And then they get, you know, I mean, it's not a great deal, but they still get Randy Johnson. They add Bobby Abreu. Yeah, I mean, and and, they ev- were, yeah. and everyone's going to be like, oh, well, okay, how many World Series did they win those years? Well, that's that's but not that's, the point. Yeah. We we agree with we agree with Brian Cashman when he says, you know, the playoffs are a crapshoot and the goal is to just get in and, and hope your team is the best, you know, is the best team or the hottest team by the time they get in. But that part, I, I, yeah, that I part mean, you kind of disagree with. You, you want to be going into the playoffs with the absolute best chance to diminish the crapshoot tendencies of, of October as much as possible it's the Yankees just simply underperformed those years but you can't say they didn't go into most or not all of those years as favorites to get to the World Series well I mean think about it 2001 they're an inning away 2003 if there's not certain injuries in that Florida series do things go differently with Giambi and, and Soriano getting benched and you know and, and whatnot and um in 2004 let's be honest Maybe the Yankees had re-signed Andy Pettit after 2003. That's a different series. Um, yeah, maybe Kevin Brown doesn't have to start a game yeah. seven. If they had kept Clemens instead of <laughs> him going, you know, bouncing back and forth, maybe that's a different series. And then they probably steamroll the Cardinals. So, I, I mean, you are probably, when you think about it, two innings away from two more World Series in that stretch, plus one one game from another. Um, you know, and, you know, 2005 – that was kind of a weird year that you lose in game five to the, to the angels. It's, you know, it is what it is. It happens. Yeah. All right. So, uh, also got the, uh, gold glove winners. What was that? Tuesday night, election night. They, uh, nice, nice night to have the gold glove. Yeah. I'm sure the world was glued to MLB network to see that Alex Gordon won the gold glove over Clint Frazier. And, um, I'm blanking on who won the Gold Glove at third base. Um, he's on okay. on the Rangers, but it was not Gio Rochella. <laughs> yeah, um, Adrian Beltre. Um, A Rod yeah, must be so upset. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. A Rod is befuddled at how the best defensive third baseman in the in a league that has Matt Chapman did not win the Gold Glove. How did Matt Chapman not win the Gold Glove? Did he die? Well, Chapman uh, had that um, injury that, and he missed the rest of the season. Yeah, but he, uh, yeah, Urshela not winning. I, I was kind of surprised. Well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised given given the fact that it's Twitter. But some people were, I mean, attacking the uh, voting process, saying that it's ridiculous that Urshela didn't win a Gold Glove. I, I'm kind of on the corner of I'm not that surprised. Um, I mean, I'm glad that he wasn't Twitter when Tino lost to Rafael Palmero in 97. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ur- Urshela is just, you know, he, he's got a nice highlight reel. He is, you know, one of the n- better defenders on an infield that has Gleyber Torres and Luke Voigt. So he just probably looks a lot better by comparison. Also, yeah, and you can you compare him to the guy that played there before him in Miguel Andujar and chase headley with his throwing issues and yeah it looks 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 better yeah exactly the uh the the numbers don't love urshela he obviously made some incredible plays he was definitely the most 
enjoyable and entertaining Yankee infielder to watch, especially in the playoffs. He made some unforgettable plays, but I, I certainly don't think he was going to win the gold glove, so I'm, I'm really not surprised at all by that. Yeah. Other, other than that, um, George, George King of the, of the New York Post, soon to be retired, longtime Yankees beat writer, says there's a very strong chance Brett Gardner comes back. I'd say that also could be filed under not surprising. I think we all expect Gardner to be back for one more year. Yeah, I think Brett Gardner will be Yankee as long as he wants to be Yankee. And, you know, I think I think he understands the flip has been switched. Um, the switch from, has been flipped? The switch has been flipped. Sorry. <laughs> the flip has the flip has been switched to um, to Frazier now. I think not only has Frazier improved his defense, um, but, you know, he's proved he could hit. You might have a mini platoon situation, but I think Gardner's going to have to understand if he comes back that he is the fourth outfielder. And it's a great fourth outfielder to have. He could play center field. He could play left field. Um, so, you know, they, they, they cover themselves in the event that Hicks goes down or Frazier goes down or Frazier struggles, something like that. And, you know, uh, he always starts off slow. So the, the slow start this year isn't super surprising. Um, but I think, I think he's a great guy to have around. You can't expect him to perform at a bless you. You can't Thank you. expect him to perform at a high level anymore, but um, you know, he still puts together really competitive at bats uh, is a very professional hitter and um, really valuable to the team. I mean, he still plays good defense out there this year. Wasn't the best, but he still believed he could get it done. He could play center field and left. Like I said, I, I think it's a no brainer to bring him back. And he's kind of the, you know, the, the core of the team. Yeah. CC gone. Yeah, it was a, a little concerning when when the season started, but then he finished the final month of the year with with an eight seventy five OPS, and then had some solid at bats in, in the wild card series as as well. So he definitely showed that he's uh, still able to produce even even as he approaches what he's uh, thirty seven, thirty eight. So I. I certainly have no problem with him being the fourth outfielder, and you're probably going to need outfield depth because you don't know what's. I mean, Stan's a full-time DH now, so you're going to have Frazier in left. You're going to have Hicks and Judge filling out the outfield, and both of them have their injury concerns. So it's going to be important to have some some depth out there, and I'm I think Mike Talkman uh, kind of showed that he can't really be relied on moving forward out of out of all the uh, next man up guys that that filled in last year it seems like Urshela is one of the only ones that showed he's not uh you know too much of a fluke obviously things can change but I don't think anyone expected Talkman or Ford I definitely expected more Talkman than Ford to maybe put together another strong season but they both they both struggled all year so why not bring Gardner back as as the fourth outfielder? Yeah, I you know I, I think it makes total sense. All right, so uh, I think think that's it for for Yankee news this week. Yeah, not much going on. Um, they fired the producer and the director of the Yes Network. That stinks. Yes, yeah, Yes was, is awesome. Yeah, that was that was a bummer. Which uh, they're they're not the only ones. ESPN laid off yeah, three hundred employees this morning. 
dark times in the in the sports well, pretty much the entire world. Yeah, pretty, yeah, everywhere. Before the dark times, but I don't know. It's uh, it's scary. I don't know when we're going to get back to the ballpark and back to normal. But um, you know, all we can do is try to distract ourselves with uh, the great game of baseball, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Which we don't have right now. Yeah, I know. I know. And I retired from playing MLB The Show, so I'm just like, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> back. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, think about it. With um, with basketball and hockey being done, too, it's, I don't know about you, but I kind of finish up work every weeknight now, and I'm like, oh, shit, now, what, what, do, I, what do I turn on now? Especially when they've got Monday night football games like the, uh, like Eagles and, and uh, who the hell was it? Or the Sunday night game, like the Eagles and Eagles Cowboys, uh, Cowboys. and then it was Bucks Giants. Yeah, I think. I well, think actually, that game was good. Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, it didn't look sexy on paper. Yeah. Um, and then I think this week you have Jets Patriots on Monday Night Football. Yeah. So even who worse. Cares? I should they should have flex, they should flex the Dolphins game into, into Sunday Night Football. Kyler Murray versus Tua. Yes. Both teams in a playoff hunt. <laughs> All right. Well, so, uh, all right, yeah, I'm, that, try, I'm trying to go all in on the Dolphins because there's nothing else going on, and they're over 500 for the first time in years. So yeah, what choice do you have? That's it. Well, I'm looking forward to Saturday. Looking forward to uh, watching some college football, especially at night. Got a top five matchup: Notre Dame and Clemson. I'm going to be excited to watch that. That's what I'm looking we'll forward to. We'll see if week. Notre Dame can win a big game. I always feel like they get me all pumped and they don't, so I've been disengaged lately. Oh, no, they, they won't win. So no need to re-engage. But I'll I'm excite, uh, excited nonetheless. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Mandalorian dropping tomorrow. Excited to watch it tomorrow night. Really like the first episode. It's kind of like a simple fun. Low, lower stakes, it feels like, compared to the way they tried to make the sequel trilogy. Oh yeah, it's been great. Oh, I mean, he, he broke one. Every every mini adventure that he gets into every episode is really entertaining. A good balance of fresh storylines and and callbacks to you know movies past. Like that first episode was a great example. You get the uh, the pod racer nod. Mm-hmm. In in the episode, the Boba Fett nod. So yeah, it's like if Boba Fett comes back, you're just like, what the hell? But just to have his armor, it's like, okay, there you go. Like that's fine, I can deal with that. Well, well, there's also he, the, the end of the episode. Yeah, but that's not necessarily him. That could be a clone trooper. You know what I mean? Who knows? No, it can't because clone troopers have age acceleration. So by this time, they would be old as hell. Well, that guy looked pretty old. I don't know. I'm well, because think sure, about that's, it. I'm pretty think sure it's it. definitely him. Well, wait. Think about it. The actor that plays uh, Django Fett is now like in his mid 60s, and that's the same actor that they're gonna ha- that that w- appeared at the end. Yeah. So Boba Fett would still be pretty young because he didn't have any of the age acceleration. So it would have to be somebody that was older. Yeah, I mean. I wonder if they slow down. Like, I wonder if they could explain it. Like, they accelerated them to like twenty years old to when they can fight, and then they kind of stop accelerating so they stay in their prime longer. I don't know. Yeah, that that they can't. Didn't look that way in Rebels. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say that's Rebels kind of debunks that possibility. But anyway, we'll see. Either way, I'm I'm entertained, and I can't wait to watch it either. 
Cool. So, yeah, hopefully there's some more news to talk about. Uh, I think we'll have surpassed the deadline for when players can accept or reject qualifying offers uh, by the time we record next. So we can talk about LeMahieu's free agency outlook and what's next for guys like Paxton and Tanaka. Um, Until then, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll talk soon. Have a great day, everybody.